0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to continue my series on receiving the power of God. It's one thing to know what God has. It's another thing to experience that. How many can say amen to that? Let me say it again. Christianity is not a theory. It's an experience. Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship. And so we, we are not believers because we have correct doctrine. We are believers in Christ because we've received him into our lives. The power of God is, is really not operative in us until we've received that. And that's what we're learning and understanding. So what have we learned about God's power uh, that we read about in the book of Acts? That word power, uh, the Greek word dunamis that we've been studying. What is that? It, it, is, it is a power that is inerrant in the life of a born-again believer. It is might it is strength, it is the power that transforms us. Jesus <clears throat> excuse me, told Nicodemus, who came to him at night and said, we know you're from God because of the miracles, but we can't figure out who you are. He said, Nicodemus, until you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. See, until you've accepted Christ, until the Holy Spirit has entered your life, you've never begun this Christian journey. So we're, we don't need any more theory. We need the reality of Christianity ...and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. I want you to see this. I want to make sure we understand uh, and take nothing for granted... ...about how the Christian life is to operate. My concern is that there is so much religion in this nation today... ...and so much confusion because of that... ...that we sometimes fail to grasp the power, the, the reality... Of who Jesus really is and what the Holy Spirit does in our life as believers. So let's look at this scripture, this passage. It's dynamic. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to begin reading in verse number 16. Watch this. So from now on, I want you to think about your journey, your life before Christ and after Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He said something's changed in us. We don't look at people the way we looked at people before. We don't look at ourselves the way we did before. There's been a transformation. Look at this next sentence. Uh, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Do you understand before you're a born-again believer, before the Holy Spirit enters your life and begins to transform you from the inside out, the biblical term born-again, you we look at life limited to a human perspective. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we, we do not even understand spiritual things because we have no capacity until the Holy Spirit's living in our life. So we, we look at people in a certain way. We, we even viewed Christ in a certain way. But watch this. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many are in Christ here today? Let me see your hand online. How many in here? How many are in Christ? That means you're born again believer. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is what a new creation the old has gone and the new has come let's keep reading that's a powerful statement I would want to be born again and become a Christian just for that anybody with me if I I believe that uh, and all the problems life brings us to think that I can meet Christ and the old things leave me and I get a new chance at life that's the gospel let's keep reading all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ look at this Church family, I want you to see this. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I've been teaching you the power of the Holy Spirit is to represent Jesus. What did Jesus do? He reconciled us to God. Instead of judging and condemning us and we were guilty through the cross, what did he do? He reconciled us to Christ. What is the ministry of the church? We are to do what? Be ministers of reconciliation. We're not judging and condemning and hating and accusing and fighting and debating. We are reconciling men and women to Christ. Anybody with me today? What is that ministry? That God was reconciling the world to himself. How? In Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look at this title you have today. Look at this title. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. Oh, come on. Come on. Let, let, let's, let's get this. I want you to uh, look at the person next to you and go ahead and give them their title. You know, uh, Phyllis, look and say, uh, good morning, Ambassador Frank. Go ahead. Come on, talk to yourselves a little bit around here. Come on, greet somebody. Call them their name. Do it. Say, glad to have you here, Ambassador. You know, all these titles. Come on. You, hey, it's you know, what a title. That's a, that's a very privileged title to be an ambassador representing the United States of America. Do you know an ambassador lives in, uh, where does the ambassador live in another country? What's it called? The embassy. Do you know when you go in the U.S. embassy in any country in the world, you're stepping into U.S. territory? Do you know all the literature is in English? Do you know that when I've been listening to everybody else speak and I don't understand it and I get to go in in the the American embassy, it's kind of like, I know what I'm going to eat in here. I know what I'm going to read in here, I'm going to understand the people that are talking to me in here, and I'm safe in here. Isn't that amazing? That's where the ambassador lives. Are you ready? Come on. Who's the ambassadors? Welcome to the embassy. (laughs) Welcome to the embassy. We We live in the embassy. We live in the embassy. When you walk in here, are you ready? You just walked into heaven on earth. We speak heaven here. We fellowship heaven here. We're safe here. Now let me give you some better news. If you take this relationship with you wherever you go, you carry the embassy with you there. Let's declare my home is the embassy on this earth. You got it? My life is the embassy on this earth. You're an ambassador for God himself. There is no one on this earth who has a title higher than your title. Your title is higher than king. Your title is higher than president. Your title is higher than any title man can bestow on another man. Okay? Why? We're ambassadors. I I love this. We're ambassadors, therefore. uh, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God, come on, listen. It's not just so we can have a title. Are you with me? It's so we can have an assignment. How many got that? We like titles better than assignments. Come on, listen. Let's watch. And and he has, uh, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Look at verse 21. God made him, Christ, Jesus. God made Jesus Christ who had no sin. He dwelt on this earth in our flesh 33 years sinlessly. God made him who had no sin to become a sin offering for us on the cross why look at this so that in christ we might become here's the title greater than ambassador the righteousness of god the righteousness of god through jesus christ can i tell you something we've been living below our place how many are listening to me today? We've been living below our calling. We've been living below our position in Christ. You know a lot of things you're struggling with in life right now because of insecurity, because of rejection and these other things. Are you listening to me? Do you know that if you really begin to understand who you are in Christ, you're going to move past a lot of that? It's going to solve a lot of your arguments. It's going to solve a lot of the issues and the drama you're having with people around you. Do you know why? Because if you understand who you are in Christ... You're not going to worry what other people call you and say and who you belong and how many friends on Facebook you have and who unfriended you and who added you and who liked and who didn't like. Man, you're an ambassador for heaven. (laughs) You know, you know. I, I was, and sorry to use the football thing, and if it's the wrong team, it's not my team either, but, it, but just hold on. I, I was listening the other day. See, when you know what you're doing and you're focused on it, you're not worried about what other people say. I heard somebody the other day interview Nick Saban. He said, I don't do Twitter, I don't read the newspaper, and I don't even have the Internet. Because he said, I don't care what other people say about me. And the University of Alabama football team I know what I'm doing I know what my job is I know what I'm gonna do every day and I'm gonna do it as best I can so I don't care what anybody else thinks about it now that makes some people mad but I thought mm, got something going on there I imagine a whole bunch of coaches heard that and said okay to their wife disconnect the internet get off Twitter let's cancel the newspaper why because they want to win as many football games come on how many know what I'm talking about Big Ten Big 12 don't get mad at me everybody's all right but you understand When you know who you are, when you walk in that knowledge, when you're moving in that place with Christ, a lot of these things we think we need, we don't need. So let me go on. So do we understand? I want you to take this, guys, and get this. And I've spent too much time on that. But it's so amazing to see what God has said about us. The point is, the Holy Spirit living in us makes us brand new creatures. We change. How many are listening to me today? We didn't join a church We met God. We met Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So I want you to see this. A relationship with the Holy Spirit daily is the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is your personal relationship with Christ that comes through the Holy Spirit. The essence of Christianity was not that we would change what we do on Sunday. That we would go out and buy a Bible. The essence of Christianity is that I have a daily, personal, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit working in my life. Are you with me? That's the essence of Christianity. It's not religion. It's relationship. See, we're, we're learning during this time. We're learning. We're, 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 in, we're developing our faith, and I pray increasing our hunger to daily say, Jesus, I want to know you more deeply. Holy Spirit, come fill my life. Come lead me, come guide me, come teach me, come direct me, come walk with me. Do you remember, let's go ahead and turn to John 14, John chapter 14. Last week, if you missed it, I'm not going to re-preach it. But we, we talked about that amazing verse in John 14, 12, where, where Jesus said in the upper room, he said, you'll do the things I've been doing, and you'll do greater things than these because I go to be with the Father. A stunning declaration. And we, I taught on that last week. But I want to pick up at that very point because today I'm praying that we are growing a hunger to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are understanding that journey with Him is the essence of Christianity. The power of God working in us to make us new. And I want you to see, how in the world could Jesus say to those disciples, you're going to do what I've been doing? How in the world? He tells them that. Verse 16 in John 14. He says this to me. Are you find that? John 14, 16. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Wow, what a measure of our real love for Christ. Are we doing what he said? If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Look at verse 16. This is the greater things verse. This is the how to the greater things. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, comforter, another The terminology, he'll give you another one like me. They said, who? What's going to happen? See, he had just told them, I'm about to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead and go back to heaven. I'll ascend back to heaven. And they're going, what in the world? How do we follow you? What are we going to do? And he says, don't worry. And when I go, there's another one like me coming. On the same level. God's not going to abandon you. Keep reading this. He says, another counselor will be with you forever. Look at verse 17. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Watch this. For he lives with you. Are you ready? And he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And so what we're seeing here is that Jesus said to these disciples who had walked with him for three and a half years. He said you don't have to worry. What you've had with me, you will continue to have with the Holy Spirit. He's not only going to walk beside you like I have, he's going to live inside you. This this term he called him counselor, comforter, the Greek term parakly literally means someone who walks beside you every step of the way. Someone who walks beside you every step of the way. Church family? If we begin to understand the Holy Spirit is walking with us every step of the way, we can have the same lifestyle that the disciples did, walking right beside Jesus. See, this is how they lived. As they walked with him for those three and a half years, every time there was a challenge, what would would you do? Jesus is right here, and somebody stands up and says, you know, my son is possessed of a demon, and nobody can do anything about him. Here I am. He says, here's Jesus. You'd do what I would do. I'd go. Jesus? Huh? or somebody, here come the Pharisees they're going to do something, here's Jesus, what do you do Jesus, huh you turn to Jesus, and you know what the disciples learned after three and a half years no matter what came against them, if Jesus was there they would just nudge each other and say he's got this, he's got this we're okay, we're going to be fine so what do we do today, we have the paraclete we have him walking with us every step of the way, and what are we supposed to do, as we walk through life and we encounter a crisis, you know what we do he's got this He's got this. The Holy Spirit's got this. He's living inside of me. He's going to tell me what to do. He's going to give me guidance. He's going to show me where to go. He's big enough to handle this thing. I have him living inside of me just like the disciples had Jesus walking beside them. We, we do that. One of the terms, I love this, uh, paraclete was used in, in a military sense in this day. The soldiers in that day, you know, fought hand to hand. It was a hand to hand combat when armies would engage in battle. And so you, you know, one of the things you worried about was your back. You're fighting closely with swords and spears and shields. You're, you're, you're fighting, and all your attention is here, and, and you're vulnerable to the back. But they began to train the Greek warriors to fight in pairs. And during their training, they would literally put a rope from one ankle to the other man's ankle because they would fight back to back. And they learned how to fight. And not get in each other's way. And your paraclete was your fighting partner who had your back in the roughest battles. And so Jesus said, I'm going to send you a paraclete. I'm going to send you someone to battle with you. I've got good news for us today. The devil can't get you when you're not looking because Jesus had your back. The Holy Spirit is fighting with you and the schemes and the plans of the devil that are going on. I have people tell me, I'm afraid for tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to be like? I don't know how we're going to live. I believe the Holy Spirit's got it. I believe if I keep serving God, he's got my back. I believe if we keep walking with him that we're going to have an opportunity to impact this world. Anybody can say amen to that. So I want you to understand this power is residing in us. And God desires to release it. But let me help us with something. The power of the Holy Spirit is the link. Someone say the link. The link between my limited humanity and the unlimited power of God. What takes you and I in our weaknesses and our limitations and our frailties? We know who we are. We know what we have tried to do and not been able to do. We know the plans we've made and haven't succeeded. The promises we've made to God haven't carried out. How do I move from me to this life he tells me I can live? How do I go from here to this overcoming life? How does an addict get out of the addiction? How does a hateful person become a loving person? How does a broken marriage become a blessed marriage? How do we move from the limitations... Of our humanity to walk in the victory this Bible talks about the link from what I cannot do to what God can do is the power of the Holy Spirit living in my life church family I want you to understand this God never designed the Christian journey to operate on human ability did you hear what I said he never designed Christianity to operate on human ability We've stumbled and tripped over that. We've tried to approach serving God the way we joined the Elks Club Lodge or, the, or, 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 or tried to you know lose 20 pounds or get to here. Listen, you and I are not designed in our own ability to reach the place God promises us to live. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a holy link. That grabs my natural are you with me and elevates me to a place in Christ where his strength his victory his wisdom his anointing becomes a reality in my life you could say it this way when we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us he puts his super on our natural that's what supernatural is that guy, that lady you see in their life is changed, You say, what happened? What in the world happened? I was, again, thinking about Mondo de la Vega, who was here, a, a, a gangbanger, a leader in East L.A., uh, who, who they said, listen, you, you need to understand something. You shouldn't plan on reaching 20 years of age. You're either going to die or be in prison. So you're, you're going to live 20 years, and, and that's it. And so he, he's living this life. He's doing those things. He, he met Jesus. And he became a follower of Jesus. He became a servant. He became someone that loves people. How does that happen? What's the link from me to this life? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. What gets you over the hump? Help get you to that next place? What breaks depression off your life? What breaks fear off your life? Well, you know, do you know, they're, listen, as a Christian, do you know you can be forgiven and be a Christian, but still be under all these things in life? How many understand that? Really? Okay, I know Christians that are depressed. I know Christians that are fearful. Can I tell you this? Some people think this is an oxymoron, and and, and I might have to agree with them, but I've met Christians who are prejudiced. Now I'm not sure how that goes together. I don't think Christian and prejudice can go in the same sentence. (laughs) Two words that don't belong together. But but let's let's keep going. So, how do we get past that? How do we break tradition? How do we get past our weakness? How do we stop making excuses And start overcoming The link is the power of the Holy Spirit I need to know how to live in that I need to know how to receive that power You and I need to know how to receive that power Because it makes old things leave It brings new things to us It it connects us to the promises of God It's it's the answer to Jesus' prayer Thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth As it is in heaven That's that's the connection here But, But let me be honest with you I have to tell you the truth. There has been so much religious and traditional teaching about Christianity over the years as we've gone through and and moved away from the beginning of the church that people have become in, in a religious context so, I'm trying to be delicate here, so afraid of the power gifts, so dismissive of the power gifts, healing and miracles and signs and wonders and afraid afraid somebody might pray in tongues somewhere that the teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit in our daily life has just been overlooked in many places uh the teaching you know we we, we've taught about Jesus that he was our savior that he died on the cross but we haven't been taught that he said I'm going to heaven and I'm going to be with you but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit we we haven't been taught that if we're going to be a witness we're not a witness of our doctrine our dogma our church we're a witness of Christ And the only way that we can witness him is through this comforter that he sent to live inside of us. And 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 this 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 lack of talking about the Holy Spirit in the church has created some void, some lack, some frustration. People going to church, and every week you're hearing, do this, do that, live this way, live that way, and, and, and you're going home saying, I can't do that. You know, there are people that are not in church today because they've been frustrated, they're tired. They feel guilty. They feel condemned. They go to church and hear a message. They go home and can't live that message. They go to church and hear this overcoming life and they don't have one. They go to church and hear that addictions can be broken and lives can be changed. But their life doesn't change. And the reason it doesn't change is because we're trying to do it instead of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and allowing Him to change our life again. We need to receive that. We need to say, Lord, everything you have I want. Every power you you, God, I need that. I want that in my life. I need that. That's the design of God, that the church would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't run around trying to tell people who I am and be my witness until you have the same power that raised will raise me from the dead. Until you have the same power I have, then go be like I was. He's been with you. He's going to be in you. It's the New Testament church. And that's the privilege that we have. So I want us to understand this. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me, let me illustrate this. We, we, we've begun to, uh, I, I think, miss some of our great moments. And we're going to receive them. Somebody say, we're ready. Come on, say, we're ready. We're ready. It changes the way you look at things. I said a moment ago, uh, I have to say that, that it's changed some of our thinking during this coronavirus crisis because I keep seeing God do more than he's ever done before when people are saying it ought to be less it's everywhere we see it's That pastor Emilio shared with me we talked about it you know there there was a time and you understand where we would have a doctor block and we would feed families and we'd go look into our food now it's our food's not a food pantry it's a big room wall-to-wall shelves out in the middle, up and down, that, that our dream team works from. It's a big room. There's a walk-in freezer there, okay? This isn't, you know, a little closet with eight cans. It's, it's a room. And there were times we'd walk in that room after Adopt-A-Block and, you know, three cans of peas were left and four cans of corn, and we're like, dear Jesus, what are we going to do next time? We'd scramble around, you know, and pray and, and, and that's a good idea to pray, and we'd do what we could do, and, and and but but that those those empty shelves used to intimidate us. But I'm not making this up. We've seen God do so many unusual ways to provide. I really believe we we're walking in a modern day loaves and fishes. Now we haven't gone and held it in our hand. Come, on, let me be you know clear, and it just starts multiplying, but I'm gonna tell you. God has brought in sources we've never had before. He's used people that we've never known before. And it just happened that it just happened. We we've gone and emptied it one time, and we buy things from Huntsville from the USDA, uh, food, bulk food, and, and we, we we go to buy and they say, Well, some things changed, and and you know, all that food you bought last month. Yeah, well, you're gonna get a refund of the entire amount, so everything this time's free. What's that? And then Convoy of Hope calls us and says, hey, we're looking for places to hand out food. Can you help us? I said, we, yes, we can help. Bring it on. You know, it, it's just, so what's happened, it's shifted. We've stopped looking at what we can do before. See, your problem is you're looking at what's been the past. In the past, this is what I did to meet this need, and it didn't work. And as long as you live there, there, that's the limit. You capped yourself. But what happened to us, we had to believe that, you know what, if we give all this away, it's God's responsibility to fill that room back up again. And so now it's just like, I can't wait. Hurry up and give it away. Because now we get to see how he's going to fill it up this time. uh, Those empty shelves are the best thing that's ever happened to us. You know, it used to be, oh, my Lord. Look at that. It intimidated us. You can understand that. That's human. That's natural. We felt responsible to feed people. And it intimidated us. Now, I, I, I just go look at I'm like, my, my, my. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Look at all that empty shelf in there. That's just beautiful. Because I know it's God's job to fill that thing up. Because we did what he said. And so when you're walking through your life, watch this. I want you to see this. It's not just at the dream center. It's in my daily life. Somebody say daily life. It's in the real stuff. It's where the rubber meets the road. Are you with me? Okay, so watch Ephesians 5. Let, let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Everybody there? Okay, watch this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. I've told you before. Religious people read that verse. Come on. Be very careful then how you live. Not as wise but as unwise. The religious mindset to that verse says, you better watch the way you're living. You better not do something wrong. God's going to get you. The devil's out to, to grab you. You better watch out. The preacher might come over tonight. You better watch what's in that. You better tell you one thing. You better not say that. You, you know, that's our attitude. You better watch how you live. But what if we've missed that whole thing? Of course there are things we don't do. Of course we obey the word of God. Of course we live a godly life that represents Christ and our morals and our relationship. But what if instead of this is a frightening declaration that God's going to get you, you better watch out. What if he's saying, hey, don't miss the opportunities God has out in front of you. Be careful how you live. Don't run past your miracles. Don't miss your moments. Don't run by this opportunity that God's been setting you up for. Slow down and stop trying to do it yourself and give me a chance to show my stuff. Would you just look at it and stop and pray one time? Would you stop running away from it? Would you stop ignoring it? Would you stop saying there's nothing I can do? Slow down. It's not about you. It's about God that can jump in this moment. Maybe we ran past a miracle. Watch this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. See, because what does he say? Making the most of every opportunity. And look at this. Because the days are evil. You see how it flips this whole thing? Look at that. He said evil days create opportunities. (laughs) See, we pray for perfect days. Tell the truth. I do. I'm healthy. I have a good mindset. I don't have a martyr complex. I pray for good days. If you don't, there's counseling available for you. I mean, I make no apology. I pray, don't you pray for good days? I hope you do. I pray every day, God bless my family. What are you going to pray, God curse your family? No, I pray God bless my family. God bless this church family, right? I pray for good days. I pray for favor to surround us like a shield. I pray for Jehovah Jireh, the provider, to be with us and Jesus, the healer, to heal us. That's how I pray. Come on, who's with me in this thing? And so we're speaking, watch this, but I want you to see something. God is God on the bad days. God is God on the imperfect day. And so he just said, hey, watch it. Watch for the opportunities because the days are evil. Do you understand that? For those of us who know the power of the Holy Spirit, for those of us who understand the working of God, an evil moment is not a loss. It's an opportunity for God to show up and do something amazing. It, it, be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. What a wise believers do. We make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, when things are not going well, it's our greatest time to shine. People are hungry. We're going to give away food. People are sad. We're going to pray. People are confused. We're going to preach the gospel. People are mad and angry at each other. We're going to love. People are are feeling offended and insecure and unhappy and, 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 and excluded and distanced and isolated. What are we going to do? Reach out and love and make the most of the opportunity. It's the grace of God. I'm reminded I didn't do something. Sorry, this is the life of an ADD person. Forgive me. I was supposed to tell you about the outreach this Saturday at the nursing homes. And uh, why did I think of that now? Because I was thinking about some of the most neglected and overlooked people in North Alabama, those elders sitting in those nursing homes. Nobody in that building for four months. So what are we going to do Saturday? We're going to go sing. Whether you can sing or not, we're going to go sing. We're going to hold up signs. We're going to bless them. We're going to, we're going to have a prayer team walk with us and pray blessings over that. So we're going to meet 9 o'clock this Saturday. What time? Saturday. Right here, break into four teams. And can I say it? Bless the socks off a bunch of lonely older people who need Jesus. And you know what the Bible says? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So that's what this is. That's why I was reminded. He says, days are evil. People are lonely and disappointed. So what do we do? Not... It's a lonely time. We're all isolated. Can't do anything. You know, there's a bunch of lonely people in that nursing home, but coronavirus. We can't go in. Opportunity says, hey, there's a lot of lonely people in that nursing home. So what can we do? You know what we can do? We can walk around on the outside and sing. We can stand in front of their window and hold a sign up and say, "We love you. We're praying for you." We can make homemade cards and our little children in that and hand them out of the do. And not, you know, what else we're going to do? We're going to bring a box lunch to everybody working on the staff that day and feed all them and say that we're going to bless those people. It's going to be great. Do you see this? let, 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 let I've, I've got to hurry with this, but let me help you with something. Our weaknesses. Are you ready? Our weaknesses the platform to see the strength of God the link between what I can do and what he can do is the power of the Holy Spirit and so instead of me running away from my weakness and 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 denying I can't do it I just step up and say God this is all I can do but I know you can do the rest I know the Holy Spirit is going to take this opportunity and he's going to do something great the Holy Spirit is a link between what I can't do and what God can do how many are thankful for that He takes our impossible, makes it possible. But I want you to see how personal this gets. Watch with me. Go back to these verses. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Okay, watch. So how do we respond in wisdom? Okay. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know what God's will for your life is today? How many want to be in the will of God? You want to be in the will of God. Here it is in black and white. What's the Lord's will? All right don't get drunk do you know that addiction is up during the coronavirus Do you know that alcohol sales are up during the coronavirus do you know that overdose over or, or up during the coronavirus do you know suicide is up during the coronavirus did you know that so what is he saying here he says we need to be wise we're dealing with some evil things but god says it's an opportunity watch it so don't take the substitute don't go get drunk you heard somebody say Oh, some old guy sitting in a bar and pours him up another drink and he says, Oh, take me a shot of courage. Some of you've said that before. Especially you. You've said that before. Come on, don't look at me like you've never been there. That's how why you got saved. Or I I just need to calm down. I just need something to settle my nerves. Come on. Settle my settle my nerves. I need to settle my nerves. Pour me a stiff one. I need to settle my nerves. You had more of those pills left? I need to go to sleep tonight. Just give me some. Got quiet in the house, didn't it? I'm surprised I knew none of you did any of that. I don't know why y'all are quiet about this. Huh? I thought it was talking about your relative somewhere in Tennessee. I didn't know it was you. So, come on. Let's go. So, he says, don't be foolish and go to a substitute. Instead... You see, verse 18, what does it say? Be filled with the Spirit. Wow. What are the things we've done that are substitutes for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit? What could we be doing when we hit a crisis instead of grabbing a substitute when we could be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, you, you don't need Jack Daniels to give you a shot of Courage. You know, in the book of Acts, you read through there, they're in Acts chapter 4, and, and, and and you know, they they just crucified Jesus, and and, and there's a great persecution going, and they just uh, took Peter and John and said, you guys got to stop preaching the gospel, put them in jail, and they let them out, and, and they go back for a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4, and it said, oh God, give us boldness. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will make you bold. You, you, you want to take a shot of courage? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Everybody with me? You know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. Not, they're, they're not a church girl. They said, what happened to the joy? There's no joy left in this nation. There's no joy left around. What happened to the joy? Well, I said, I know where the joy is. She said, what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when you try to manufacture joy out of this world, you're not going to have it. So, so, so do you understand? Be filled with the Spirit. Now watch this. We think that's the end of it. Okay. But if you keep reading chapter 5, I'm just going to have to g- just mark this. So, so he says, you need to make the most of your opportunity you, to do this. Be wise. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? This was the preamble to the family talk. Are you with me? You know what comes in the rest of chapter 15? Listen, men and women, come on, are you everybody with me? Because if this doesn't go home with you, I wasted your time. Okay, this isn't real every day at home, then, then what are we doing? Okay, I listen, so, so he says, there, there, there's a, uh, here's an opportunity. You, you, you're ready for the opportunity by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then before he tells the wife, submit to the husband, the verse before he says, submit to each other. Right. Do you get that? Now, you know there's some marriages right now without the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no submitting going on. Come on, don't shout me down. Don't shout me down. They're looking at each other going, Mm-mm-mm. you move and I'll move. You know, looks, looks like WWE. If you forgive, I'll forgive. If you're nice, I'll be nice. If you smile, I'll smile. Before you can submit to each other, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not submitting to each other, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he says, wives, work with your husband. Honor his leadership. Then he says, and and, and just so the husband didn't get carried away, he says, and by the way, you love your wife like I love the church. You know, you'd find a man that'll die for his wife and she's got no problem walking with him. You find a man and a woman knows, that man will die for me. She'll follow that man. She'll work with that guy. They'll work together. And then he talks about the children. Your children need to obey your parents. He said, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Can I tell you something? You know how to have a godly family? You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how we live in these opportunities. People say, well, marriage, and there have been more divorces during the coronavirus. You know what's happening? The pressure of this is just exposing what's there. So what do we need to do? Here's a crisis, but it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to invade. It's an opportunity for me to say, I'm not loving my wife like I ought to love her. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't need her to get right. I need to get right. My husband's not treating me the way he ought to treat me. Well, let's get filled with the Holy Spirit and see what begins to happen. My children are driving me crazy. Well, let's get a new measure of the Holy Spirit operating in our life. Let's witness to those children. Let's bring them into the presence of God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do something. You see, my weakness is just a platform for God to come in and show up and do something great. You know, if mom and dad started loving and talking and and, and being kind to one another, those boys and girls might want to get saved if they see mom and dad change they might want to go to church with us If they see the house get right in order and people feel the Holy Spirit They might say if those two can do it. I need some of that. I want some of that What if our children start saying I want a marriage like my mom and dad have I want that kind of marriage I want that kind of home and they say how did you do that? We were filled with the Holy Spirit It took my weakness and made something because God he's my link is anybody with me on this? All right, we need, to, we, we, we need to bring this to a close. So I'm, I'm editing here. I'm editing as I go. Let, let, let's, let's, let's close with this. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Last scripture, last, last scripture. Romans 8, 1. How many understand the Holy Spirit's a link between my weakness and God's ability? The power of the Holy Spirit is my link. God, I need you. I want you. I, I'm desperate for you. It's, it's, the, it's the opportunity as a believer. Crisis is just our opportunity. To see the power of God Romans 8 1 and Romans 7 Paul the Apostle listen to me had a crisis he's in a crisis he says I've got issues there's drama in my life I got some baggage that I'm tired of carrying around anybody with me can I tell you what you we need to stop making excuses And start making access to the presence of God. Okay? So Paul says in Romans 7, he said, here's the the deal. I love God. He said, his spirit's in me. But there's two natures fighting. And he says, the things I want to do, I'm not doing them. The things I want to stop doing, I keep falling back into them. He said, I've got a crisis here. There's weakness in my Human nature that's shipwrecking my journey with God. And he says, what am I going to do? He says, it's, it's like I have a body of death. I'm trying to find something that doesn't have music on it up here. I can't find it. I'll just do this. He said, I've got a body of death. That was a specific term. Who will rescue me from this body of death? There was a harsh, horrible punishment in that day for some murderers. They literally, their sentence was they chained the dead body of the person they murdered on them. They chained a dead corpse on their back as their sentence. And they walked around with a, pardon my language, rotting, stinking corpse. Can you imagine? You couldn't eat, you could not sleep. It would ultimately kill them. And so Paul says, it's like I'm under a sentence. Who will rescue me from this stinking body that's killing me? What am I going to do? I've got a crisis. I don't want to ignore it anymore. I'm not going to go to church like this and be standing here. We bring the sacrifice. Oh, of prayer. oh excuse me. I didn't mean to bump you at this body. And then we sing here. What do we sing today? You know, he's a good, good father. We try to lean back on him. We can't lean back because we've got a body in the way. How are you doing today? God bless your brother. Things are going fine. No, they're not. Hallelujah. No, it's not. He says, who's going to rescue me? I, I've got a mess here. And then he tells us, end of chapter 7, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now look at chapter eight and verse one. And he says this: Therefore, now there is no condemnation. Hallelujah, for those are in Christ Jesus. See, he he took you with the dead body. He took you with the stink. He took you with the mess. Are you understanding me? I didn't give him anything but a mess when I came to the altar. I created him a stinking mess. George Sawyer walked to an altar a stinking mess. Trapped to a dead, rotting corpse. And the grace of God said, I'll take you just like that. Is that amazing? I'll pick you up just like that. Come on, son, let's go. Let's get this started. And when I walked away from that altar, he did this for me. He said, just come on. Let's journey. Now, now listen, I still had a little stench. Understand? I still had a little mess. (laughs) Anybody with me? There was still some residue from where I'd been. But he loved me anyway. And he said in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation. Son, I forgive you and I've broken its power, but let's get this thing going now. You're not who you were, but you're not who you're going to be. I'm going to put a link in your life, and the link is the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you walk with this thing, you're going to get to a place where you can't even remember that, where you don't smell like it anymore. You don't look like it anymore. The people that walk up behind you, Are not going to go like this They're going to know the power of the Holy Spirit Look, the paraclete has my back Not that body The paraclete's got me And when you come It smells like heaven It smells like grace It smells like forgiveness And how did it happen? How did it happen? What do we read here? He didn't just say I'm not condemned He said Because, How did that happen? What happened? Because through Christ Jesus, the law, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit set me free from the law of sin and death. The link between my stink and the blessing of God is the Holy Spirit operating in my life. Come on, let's stand. Worship team, come. Let's stand together here today. See, this is real, guys. This is real. This is real. If you want to play church, it's not. If you really want to walk out this incredible life, God has for us the links, the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, today, listen to me, today, this morning, not because it's Sunday, because it's today. I prayed, God, fill me with your spirit today. God, fill me with your spirit today. I told him today, God, I don't have what it takes to preach this message I don't have what it takes to pastor this church. I said, I don't have what it takes to love my wife the way she needs to be loved. I don't have what it takes to be a father, a grandfather, a pastor, a a, a friend, a brother. I, I, I don't have it, God. But you call me to these things. So I'm going to trust you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Reach where I am and bridge the gap, God. Bridge the gap. Man, I, that makes me hungry. I don't know about you. It encourages me. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm thankful that, that it's not over for me. Come on, how many hear what I'm saying? That, that, that I'm not who I was, but I'm not yet who I'm going to be. You know, this church is not yet who we're going to be. We're on our way. We're getting better, stronger. And, and, you know, the, the more of us, us, that will say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us. You know what I've learned in my journey? The more I begin to say, God, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the less I even notice people who aren't. The less I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the more I notice everybody else's problems. The more I'm filled, the more I'm hungry, I don't have time to be looking at everybody else. I'm so, I, I know what I need. I know what I need. I know what I need. I need this, God. I need you, God. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need this link in my life. Don't be unwise. Be wise. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you can speak to each other. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Sacrifice for one another. Be kind to one another. It's, it's, It's the plan of God. Christianity is not mental ability. It's surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit.